Welcome to the Why It Was Quality podcast, where we discuss, review, analyse everything that we think is proper quality, whether that be books, films, TV shows, music, sport, or anything you can think of. We take you on the journey of how it was made, how the world influenced it, how it influenced the world, and why it was so loved. Here is our first episode. Know my brother, don't you, eh? Yeah, of course I do. How you going, Dave? I couldn't wait for the postman to bring a Fools and Horses script through the door. I couldn't wait. It, I was like a, a child at Christmas. I think we're on a winner here, three. All right? Play it nice and cool, son. Nice and cool, you know what I mean? And if it's a boy, they're naming him Rodney. After Dave. <laughs> this old broom has had 17 new heads and 14 new handles in its time. How the hell can it be the same bloody broom? Well, here's a picture of it. What more proof do you need? What is your name? Lovely jubbly. I think that's why the audience cares about them because they, you can see that they are for all that they, they're involved in some slightly dodgy dealings they are actually awfully nice people you were a six-year-old little nipper when god smiled on mum and made her die <laughs> two months after that dad packed his bags and left us to fend for ourselves it was me that kept us together he who dares wins <laughs> how'd you get on i lost i don't know what i'm gonna do i just don't know what i'm gonna do I've always played the tough guy. I didn't want to, but I had to. And I've played it for so long now, I don't know how to be anything else. We would open up a script and we'd be laughing, 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 and then we'd turn the page and all of a sudden, what happens? It's almost if, if I don't talk about it, then it might not be true. But it is. I know, I know, but if I don't say it, We lost our baby. Because they have changed, obviously their various attitudes have changed, but the focus is still the same with them. It's, it's always survival and, and beyond survival, trying to become very rich. Come on, Bill. Let's see your two pair. Oh, I've got a pair of aces. Yeah. And I've got another pair of aces. <laughs> Bid stands at four million pounds. <laughs> to find that young kids of ten and uh, twelve and whatever perhaps weren't even born when the first series went out are finding it really funny and amusing. Well, Rodney's painting won first prize in an under 15 year old. <laughs> Say again. So they think Rodney's 15? Is that right? No. They think you're 14. <laughs> These sort of things don't happen very often. But you can be in something that transcends time. Now brace yourself, Rodney. Brace yourself. 
We've got some off-price crack ties, some miles and miles of carpet tiles, TVs, deep freeze, and David Bowie LPs, pool games, gold chains, wuss names, and head push, some Trevor Francis tracksuits from a mush and shepherd's bush, 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 Join the war. You brought Europe, a whole continent, to a standstill. I didn't mean to. <laughs> you are a wally, you really are. <laughs> I personally am going to miss fools and horses more than anything, but I'm so glad that over the years we've brought so much fun to the audience that voted for us, and in, by the same token, we've just had so much fun doing it, so thank you very much. first episode of the podcast, we decided to talk about one of the most respected British sitcoms of all time. Then we decided, no, let's talk about one of the most successful British comedies of all time. Then we decided, no, let's do both. And that brings us to Only Fools and Horses. We don't mess around. We go straight in at the top by talking about what, in my opinion, isn't just the greatest sitcom of all time, not just the greatest comedy of all time, but the greatest TV show of all time. This show has won six BAFTAs, three British Comedy Awards, two National Television Awards, and one Royal Television Society Award. It has been named in a 2017 YouGov poll as the most loved British comedy of all time. That same year, it was voted the number one British comedy at a Samson, Samson poll. And it's also named Britain's best sitcom in a 2015 Channel 4 poll. The 1996 Christmas episode, Time on Our Hands, was the most watched TV show in British television history with an audience of 24.35 million viewers. So who can take us on this journey? It can't be any hoi polloi. It has to be some geezers who know this show inside and out. And today I am joined, my name's Lewis Sanchez, by the way, I'm always about to lose my voice, I am joined by Louis Lydon. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, not bad. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. I'm doing good. Talking about the bre- the best show of all time. Yeah, I'm still waiting for these geezers who apparently yeah. know everything about it to turn up, to be honest. Exactly. We're just a couple of schmucks. But... We're a couple of schmucks who are going <laughs> to fill in the gap. No, but this is, we know a fair amount about it. Mm. Um, I don't know about you, Lewis, but... My earliest memory of TV mm. was only Fools and Horses. Mm. Um, and that was just repeats. And I remember watching repeat after repeat, watching the same episode time and time again and never getting bored of it. Mm. We used to have, obviously, the kid shows and things like that. But to me, as a kid, this actually this appealed to me as a kid. I yeah. was crazy. It's kept my appeal over all those years. And even as an adult now, I still enjoy it. And there's, kind of, there's something quite nostalgic. When I watch it, it brings me back to my childhood. Mm. And it brings back some good memories. And I think I think it's those reasons why it's a timeless show. Yeah. I think that still appeals applies to the kids of today. Um and I think that it's gonna I think it's gonna carry on forever, really. I, I genuinely think it will. Mm. It is timeless. 
It is. And uh, I was about to ask you, why Why do you think Only Fools and Horses works? For why me, is I it times? I think, I, think, I think it appeals to everyone slightly differently. Mm. Uh, one of the reasons it appeals to me is because I live in the area where it's set. Mm. And that was part of the appeal to me. Uh, it's obviously set in Peckham. I live in Elton. It's, it's about five miles down the road. Yeah. And they mention places like Lewisham, Catford, all these areas, Blackheath, all these areas I'm really familiar with. Yeah. I think they reference Eltham in one of the episodes as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so that was what caught me. I kind of like the idea that they were they were up the road. Yeah. And also their accents, the way they speak. I remember back in the day there there were characters like that that I could I knew in my real I knew in my life yeah. that I could relate to Dale Boy, I could relate to Rodney, I could relate to Uncle Albert. Those were characters who I who I saw in real life, and that's why I liked it. Obviously, they're exaggerated in the mm. show, but there's something that works about it. These are British people, these are Londoners, mm. that have the world against them, and they somehow make it work. And that's why I like about it. It's inspiring. Mm. It is inspiring. Their story from start to finish is inspiring. What about you? Why does it work for you? Well, I think, I mean, if you've not already guessed, we are both Londoners, so that there's going to be a bit of bias here. And not only that, we're South Londoners, which Trotters were. Um, but uh, yeah, similar to you. I mean, I, I started watching it as a kid, and I don't think you can underestimate the, the, the strength of this show for kids. I mean, the first image I saw of Only Fools and Horses was them dressed up as Batman and yeah, Robin. Yeah, and so that's obviously going to appeal to kids. They drive around in a in a yellow free wheeled van, very similar to like Noddy's um, car yeah, or Postman it, Pat's it, van. It's cartoony. It's, it's cartoony. Got some cartoony yeah, yeah. Elements You've got it. Uncle Albert with his white beard. I mean, that's just something that's going to appeal yeah, to kids like, straight it looks away. Like Father Christmas. Yeah, and, I remember always thinking that when yeah, I was a kid, yeah. it was like Father Christmas. And um, everything in their flat is colourful. Everything yeah. is all co- contrasting colours. Del Boy suits. Del Boy suits. A bit crazy. Yeah, his yeah. Dressing gowns. Yeah. Everything's really appealing to yeah, me. Yeah. So as a kid, it was for those reasons. Then when I grew up. It was it was everything like you said. It, it's the pathos of it, the the facts that I mean, just the sadness intertwines the wit, uh, the plotting involved. I mean, it was it was well written. It was well constructed. All the characters. Uh, I mean, someone talk, I was talking about. I think it was at this film thing. Um, I think it's called the story of film on Channel Four. And I was take, talking about like the strength of a film is like how many characters. A notable they can have like one or two lines and you'll still remember them and yeah. only fools and horses it's got so many memorable characters who like some of them uh who, who are only in it for like a few episodes make a few appearances and you'll remember them like like sid or like slater um you you, you remember them and they're only and they, it, all the characters are so well written what so well played as well what appeals to me about the characters is how none of them are perfect mm, none of none them, of are, them perfect. are perfect it's not like some happy family sitcom mm. where everyone's really good they make a mistake and by the end of the episode they're always forgiven and they learn from their mistake and they never make it again and we've had this conversation before about what makes a good sitcom character and these characters make mistakes and they don't really learn from them but you no. can't help but love them yeah because they repeat the same mistakes and and you can see what's going to happen from a mile off mm. i think a good example is at the chandelier episode yeah from the start of the episode from from when Dell offers to clean the chandelier you you get an idea that it's going to go wrong. You know it's going to go wrong. You know it's not going to go well because it never does for the trotters. And you know it's going to be another one of Dell's skins that doesn't work. And mm. you always think, what are you doing now, Dell? And then when they're obviously up on the ladder and the granddad hits the hammer, you know what's going to happen. But there's something you just love about them and you know yeah. it's going to happen, yet you don't you don't sit there and go, well, you're idiots for doing it. Yeah. Because you love them and they're just trying to make it work. Mm. And that's why it works so it's... well. That's why they're so memorable, the characters. At, at the end of the day, it's a show about, I think it's about, I boil it down to like three things. I think it's a show about 
toxic masculinity. I think it's. I, I'll, I'll get to it. Yeah, go into it because that's very relevant in today's society. So very much this, so. This show from the eighties. I'm yeah. interested to see how yeah. you uh, how you approach that. No, it's true. It's it's about toxic tox, toxic masculinity. It is about family, about love. Yep, hundreds. And about about a broken family. About a broken family, and also it is about survival. At the end of the day, and I I reckon. I mean, we'll get to, when we get to like when they you know became. I mean, spoilers. When they became rich and they lost it all. I mean, yeah, uh, there's I think any spoilers in this, but I don't, oh, the whole show. I, is I think spoiler. if you're, I think if you're watching this, then and you haven't seen the show, then I don't know what really yeah. what you're doing. But well, <laughs> I was, was going to uh, nicely that you brought it up actually, because I was going to say, should we could quickly summarise what the show is about? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, okay, so Del Boy and Rodney are the main main characters. Mm. Two market traders from two Peckham. market traders. Um, they are they're suitcase dealers, and you mm. don't get them anymore. Uh, basically, yeah. what they done was. If something what they call is hooky, which mm. is something that's fallen off the back of the van or something that wasn't fit to sell in a main shop, they would get their hands on it mm. and they would sell it and they sell it at Peckham Market. Yeah. Um, and it's all dodgy things. And, and to be honest, they're, what they're doing isn't right. It's illegal. Mm. Well, at, at the time, a lot of people, they did get complaints to the BBC saying you're glamorising, you know, um, fraudulent behaviour. Yeah, and they are criminals. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. They're not good people. And, and, what they and do is good. Yeah. Saying it like that, they aren't good people. But you see the good in their hearts when they interact with their family, and, mm. and, and they all come together and they look out for one another. And to be honest, that's what life is like. Yeah. You have to do things really you're not proud of, but you need to put food on the table, and that is basically what Del Boy does. Yeah, he, he does these horrible. They're not horrible things. I mean, they're, they're worse crimes to commit. Yeah, but he does these things that aren't right in order to to supply for for his brother Rodney, who judges him. Yeah. Um. His granddad's, and then later on, Uncle Albert, mm. and, and then later on, as he gets a family, Raquel, and, he, and that is it. He, he basically comes up with schemes in order to get rich quick that never yeah. work, and, that, and there's always an element of he's he's screwing someone someone over down the line. Yeah. And and you watch these plans fold out, and they never they always fall apart. They never work. Yeah. But that that but you still can't help but love him because yeah. he's trying, and yeah. you can't ask much more than that of someone. He's really trying to to make it work. Definitely. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, what 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 happened is so both characters, uh, Del Boy, he was uh, born in Peckham, and he had a brother come along when he was thirteen years old. He was born to two parents, Joan, who he idolised, and a father called Reg, who was we find out was abusive to his mother, and played yeah. around. Um, we found out that's a bit of a two way streak, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, anyway, at the age of 16 his mother sadly passes away and then their father soon runs out on them leaving Del Boy to look after his younger brother by himself and also they're lumbered with their granddad who was living with them uh, the father of Reg um, their father and yeah that's basically it he um, Del Boy he's been trading without a trader's license and he's been doing that for a considerable number of years uh, by by the time he's 16 and I suppose by that point, there's no really going back. So he can't really, he, he has to live, he's committed to this kind of life now. He's dropped out of school, but it's no, no grades. So this is the way he has to make a living. And there's there's no... It's different times, well, back then. This, this mm. show is set in the 80s. Yeah. So it's not like today. You, you couldn't have a 50, 14, 15-year-old standing on a market stall selling goods illegally. Obviously, now you have to be in school. But back then, 
the rules were a lot looser, and that's how he could get away with it. Yeah, and you, you feel my attitude different. towards school, I suppose, was different towards education. I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't around back in the eighties, but yeah, I mean, or sixties when when they were kids, but but yeah, and, and well, that yeah, that that's it. And it is again, it's a show about survival. At the end of the day, he wants to survive, and yeah, well, let's let's take you back right all the way to where our journey begins. And our journey does not begin in the eighties, but in fact, it does begin <clears throat> in. 1943 in Balham, South London, where the writer, probably the greatest comedy writer of all time, I would say, or British comedy writer at least, John Sullivan was yeah. born. Yeah, there's he's definitely a noticeable one. Um, mm. when, when it comes to a, a British sitcoms, and you say, what's crazy is actually when it comes to British writers, mm. if you say to me British writers, I think of only a handful really come to mind because mm. I'm not, you know, I don't, don't know everyone, but. William Shakespeare as he comes at the top. But yeah. I'll tell you what, as I work my way down the list, Charles Dickens. Yeah. Obviously, as you get to more modern times, less books are being written and more writing for, for TVs being done because it's probably a bigger market. Mm. John Sullivan, I put in that list. Oh, I, put I, him in, I, I put him in the list with the greats. Shakespeare, he's never made me laugh. I mean, Shakespeare, he's he's never... I don't think well, Shakespeare could have written the chandelier scene. Listen, no. listen, I'll, I'll be honest with, with Shakespeare. Yeah, You read a Shakespeare play now, it's all old old-fashioned language yeah. and things like that. It's not very timeless, is did it? Did Shakespeare it's write his very... own theme song? I don't think he did. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. <laughs> he didn't, no. And, and they were they were quite morbid, old mm. Shakespeare stuff. I want, I want a bit of a laugh, you know? Yeah. I want a bit of a... I want a happy ending sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... so Someone said that it's harder to write good comedy than it is to write good drama. Oh, yeah, I definitely and think so. And that, that's, that's probably why I've, I've been unsuccessful. That because... Because you can, you can, yeah, <laughs> but you can, so get someone's sad story and write it, it, it makes you sad, hmm. but to, to write something that people sit there and laugh at, and I think it's easy to get someone happy and show them something sad and make them sad, it's harder to get someone who's sad and make them happy through laughter. It's true, that's very true, yeah, that's very true. And this, and this show, show done that. Well, this show does both, which is it's really good because yeah. there is a lot of sad moments. But so he was born. So he was born in South East London, in Balham. Um, so born same place where the Trotters were from, uh, roughly. He dropped out of school at the age fifteen with no qualifications, very much like Del Boy. Um, so John Sullivan, he wanted to focus on making money and didn't see the value of school again, like Del. But he was inspired by an English teacher while he was in school called Jim Trowers. After he did drop sounds, out, of... sounds a bit like Trotters. Right, the truck. Maybe, maybe, tr- a, little, oh, maybe, maybe a little bit of an inspiration for the name. Bit of an inspiration. Um, he took evening classes though. After he dropped out of school, uh, he worked a series of jobs such as being a message boy and a car cleaner. Um, he also worked in a brewery with a man called Paul Saunders, uh, Saunders, who he then wrote with, and they worked on a script called Gentleman about a toilet attendant. Uh, soon, Paul Saunders. Uh, stopped writing. John Sullivan continued by himself. In 1974, he got a job working in the props department at the BBC. He then worked on such comedy greats as The Morecambe and Wise Show and Porridge. It was when working on Porridge, he slipped some scripts to Ronnie Barker. And that got him, um, as well as meeting some other people at the BBC, that got him to work, uh, was uh, meeting, sorry, Dennis Main Wilson, that got him to work on the two Ronnies as a sketch writer, where he wrote the famous Sid and George sketches, perhaps the most notable being the Racing Pigeon sketch, uh, which if you haven't seen it, is an absolutely brilliant sketch. It's a duck. <laughs> hey, it's a duck. <laughs> where? Where? In the cage, it's a duck. 
He's a he's a racing pigeon. Oh, is he? He's a duck. No, he's got web feet unless you bought a pair of flippers, have you? <laughs> In 1977, he convinced the producer, Dennis Main Wilson, uh, to let him write a pilot of his own. Dennis Main Wilson is a man who produced a goon show, Till Death Do Us Part, Hancock's Half Hour, and he gave breaks to many comedy greats such as Emma Thompson, Griff Rhys-Jones, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, a really experienced uh, comedy producer. Anyway, so John Sullivan's pilot turned into Citizen Smith. It ran for four series consisting of 30 episodes, starred Robert Lindsay, uh, back when he was really good, um, and ended <laughs> back before. Um, I, don't, I, don't, you know I don't mind Robert Lindsay. But now, do, like... do you know what's sad about this? Citizen Smith's great, but it's not. It's not the sitcom that he's most known for. No, yeah, but and, and that, uh, that's that's, good, that's very sad. That, that shows how good he was as a writer. When you think of John Sullivan, mm. you don't think of Citizen Smith. You think no, of... I mean, I mean Robert Lindsay. That's oh, what Robert the sitcom Lindsay. Robert Lindsay is yeah, most yeah. known oh, for. Yeah, um, yeah. We, I don't want to speak about the other one because. Uh, <laughs> You know we what, all know, you know what, what it was. The early, the early series of, I'm going to say it. My I'm family, gonna, yeah. I'm going to say it. It's my family. Yeah. The early series, that was good. I, I, I didn't mind it. There were funny moments in it. Yeah. There were funny moments in it. It just went off the rails, really. It oh, just yeah. went on for ages. The I, fact that show ran for a hundred hundred episodes. I was just about to look that up. Yeah. My family, how long did it if run if for? this ran for lo- like twice the span of Only Fools and Horses did, I'm going to be very sad right now. <laughs> so Only Fools and Horses ran for 64 episodes. So if this ran for 128 uh, I'm leaving. 100, 113 episodes. So there was 113 episodes that were 30 minutes, so you stand in episodes. Mm. But apparently there were there were f- seven specials that ran for, for 50 minutes to 60 minutes. Mm. Uh, I don't know what they were. I've never no. seen one that's run that long, to be honest. They're not memorable, but, like only fools in horses. No, to be honest, he, he's actually a good actor. Oh, no, um, he is good. Oh. Citizen Smith and, and, and my family have definitely, mm. they're a big, huge part of his, his career. Um, he's a good I, Broadway actor as well. He like won Tony Awards and stuff. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's good that he did something else. And I've seen him in like sketch shows and things mm. like that. He was Apart great in extras that, as well. He's yeah, class in extras. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Apart from that though, I, I can't think he wasn't. Those were his two big shows. Yeah. I don't think he was in anything else as big as those two shows. Yeah, yeah. And my family's mixed opinion. Again, my family for me is one of those shows that I used to watch on, on UK TV Gold. It's not mm. called that anymore. Mm. And it would it would follow on from a. Uh, from like Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. You'd watch Only Fools and Horses and it would be followed by My Family. Yeah. My Heroes. My <laughs> Heroes. Do you remember My Hero back in the day? See, that was that class. Was sh- that was a talk about show. a comedy made for kids. There you, there go, you go, right yeah. there. Um, uh, that is still on... They, they've changed UK TV gold to gold now. Yeah. Um, but they still show My Hero on there then and again. And I sit there and watch it just for like nostalgic purposes. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a bad show. It's, it's okay. There are bits in it that make me laugh. I don't know if that's because... I remember it as a child, and, and it makes it more enjoyable. I'm not sure. Yeah. But they changed actors halfway through. Do you remember oh, really? They changed actors. No, I did. I, yeah. So do you remember they had? I can't remember the guy's name. The geezer from um. Oh, I do. The yeah. Irish. The fella. geezer from Father Ted. Yeah, uh, it was the geezer Adrian, from Father Ted. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, and and then they changed it, but the the guy they changed it to was a big actor as well. I'm yeah. Have, to have a quick look here. We're it was a gimme, gimme, gimme. I think, wasn't it? But anyway, let's anyway. We'll go off on a tag. <laughs> no, that's what it's about. Though, that's what it's about. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who they changed it to, but he was a good actor. Yeah, but um, but anyway, only f- so so Citizen Smith it ran for four series, consisted of thirty episodes, ended in nineteen eighty. It starred Robert Lindsay and um, what was it? Yeah, uh, Cheryl Hall. Um, ended yeah, Mike Grady, Cheryl Hall, Mike Grady's great. Hilda Braid, mm. Peter Hall, Tony Steedman. 
one yeah. of the uh, one of the people to as well feature in Citizen Smith was a young uh, John Chalice yes. playing a policeman very similar to Boise. Um, after they recorded the episode, John Sullivan went up to him and he said, "You know, we're going to use that again. Yeah, you done you done a really good job." Um, Citizen Smith, great show, freedom for tooting. In 1980, some great moments. Well, I'm just going to tell you moments. one of my favourite moments. Was, yeah. Um, they're planning to sabotage. I can't remember it too well. They're planning to sabotage sabotage something, and it's this. He's put together this really well tight knit plan. Mm. Um, they have to do it at night, and he goes to him right. We have to be here. Uh, we have to be here. And we're going to do this, this, and this, and it all has to be timed perfectly yeah, yeah. in order for it to work. And then someone goes to him, "What time shall we meet here?" Then about eight ish. <laughs> <laughs> my my favourite moment was, um, I think it's Wolfie's trying to woo back Rebecca Hall's character, and so Wolfie's like got a guitar, and one of the other characters is playing the Beatles with the Beatles album, and they're playing um, "Till I Met You." And so it's meant to be like he's serenading him, but he's obviously like lip syncing to the music, but they can't get the record to stop. So he's got to play out the whole album. <laughs> it's great. It's brilliant. Uh, oh, great. Yeah, to be honest, like for, for, his, for uh, John Sullivan's first attempt yeah. at writing a sitcom, he smashed it with that, to be honest. Oh, brilliant. If he just wrote that, yeah, yeah. then you'd be proud of that. And that, yeah. if, you, if that was the only thing you had in your career, yeah. you'd be happy with that. Yeah. But the fact is that he went on to write better things, which is oh, crazy. Yeah. Oh, crazy. definitely. He was, again, one of the greats, I would say. And um, I, 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 he's not been knighted. He's got an OBE, but I reckon he, he definitely should. I don't know if he can be posthumously knighted, but if yeah. you can. I was having this conversation with someone the other day. Mm. And it's a shame that there are, there are great people who have died yeah. who aren't knighted. Mm. Uh, I don't know if there is something they can do. There should be something. There should be some sort of honour they should be given. Mm. But Difficult, it's a yeah. Shame. Definitely deserves it, though. Definitely. Oh, definitely, yeah. He's He's been knighted in my eyes. I'm going to call him Sir. So, 1980, <laughs> Sir John Sullivan and uh, Ray Butt, who was a producer who worked on numerous shows, uh, shows such as The Live of Birds, Terry in June, Q5, Last of the Summer Wine, and Happily, Happy Ever After, made a pilot called Over the Moon. Um, about a local football coach didn't quite take off. I believe it was one pilot, and that's only sort of being repeated now. Really, um, it was lost for many years. Yeah, and it's a shame, really, because it sounds like a good concept. Oh yeah, show. I mean, I mean, had the guy from Porridge, <coughs> Porridge as well. I mean, it's weird how there aren't any really good uh, Mr. sitcoms yeah. or shows, kind of football related. Really, yeah, yeah. there aren't a great deal. I, a few I remember was one back in the day. Footballers, footballers wives, wives. <laughs> yeah, footballers wives. Right. To be honest, I never watched it yeah, because yeah. I thought it was about footballers wives. I did think they had yeah. a look at the club, but it wasn't really my interest. No. Um, but also on, um, I think it's Sky or something like that. They they brought one out a couple of years ago, starring um, the, the the fella from uh, Royal Family. Uh, oh, Ricky Tolson. No, 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 no. Uh, you know the guy who wrote it, David. Oh yeah, I know you mean. Yeah. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but he yeah. wrote a show called. Uh, Something called like the Rovers or something like that. Oh right. And it's set in a pub. Yeah. And I think the episode like, set in this pub, and they all support the same local team, mm. which doesn't go very well. But there's not many shows, considering this is like England. It's an England. You know, we, we love our football. Yeah. It's weird how there aren't more shows about football because I think yeah. it's a good subject. There definitely mm. should be one. Well, talk it. Talk maybe about... that's we should jump on. Oh def- <laughs> yeah, I need to get that off the ground. Uh, we'll talk about Ricky Thomason football. Mike Bassett, England manager. 
perhaps the greatest bit of the greatest yeah. intersection of comedy and football of all time. Yeah, absolutely yeah. brilliant. Uh, so, 1981, John Sullivan came up with the idea for another show about two market traders living with their granddad, and that was called. Only Fools and Horses. Well, <laughs> the, the <laughs> I original, you were going to say it. The original <laughs> title was actually called Reddies. That's Reddies. what it was called. Yeah, yes. it Just for those of you who don't know, that's money. That's, that's slang money. for money. Yeah. Now, there'll be a lot of South London slang yeah. in this and I'll, I'll translate them. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You'll be our translator. Um, so, who starred Only Fools and Horses? Who was Del Boy? Well, that was that the actor's name. Well, obviously, David Jason played the part, but it wasn't originally going to be him. It was not. But also, that wasn't his real name. His real name is David John White. Right, there you go. Born in 1940 in Middlesex Hospital, his mother was a child, a charwoman, a child lady, like John Sullivan, um, and Del Trotter as well, actually. Um, his, his, um, his mother works as a child lady as one of her jobs. Uh, John Sullivan's father was a porter. Um, did you know John Sullivan actually had a twin brother who died in childbirth? Um, and yeah, very sad. And I think some of that pathos, he, I mean, that could have inspired some of the pathos his character went through in yeah. the, but we'll get onto that. Uh, he also had a sister called June and a brother called Arthur, who also became an actor and appeared with him in shows such as a, a touch of frost, the color of magic and a darling buds of May. Um, like Del Trotter and like John Sullivan, he also had no formal education. Um, he dropped out of school at a young age um, and he took his stage name, David Jason, as a combination of his first name and Jason from the film Jason and the Argonauts. That's interesting. Hmm. He made the first he made his first on screen appearance in 1965 in a TV movie called Mother Goose. That's according to IMDb. I think it's disputed. I think 1964 is cited as well as his first TV on-screen appearance, but I'm going off IMDb. Uh, he made several other TV appearances in shows such as Crossroads and Hugh and I, and his first recurring role, sort of put him on the map, was in a TV sketch show called Do Not Adjust Your Set, which also featured Terry Jones, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, uh, who went on to form another sketch show. Uh, you might have heard of them. Probably, probably haven't. Probably wasn't, haven't. Wasn't that big. Wasn't that honest, big. No, no, no one heard of them again. Um, he played a show. Uh, played a character called Captain Fantastic in the show. Did you know? In 1968, he was almost cast in Dad's Army for the role of Lance Corporal Jones. He was very close to getting the part, but was unsuccessful. Yeah, I could see that as well. Mm. I could see that. Um, he was in several other TV shows and radio shows through the 70s. Remember him in Porridge as well. In Porridge, yeah. I'm getting on to in in 1973. He he first played the character of Arkwright in an episode of Seven of One, um, a series of of different stories, all starring a different character played by Ronnie Barker. So kind of like that Peter Kay thing. Every week, uh, every episode, Ronnie Barker would be in a different sitcom where he was the star. Uh, one of the episodes was called Open All Hours. Another one of the episodes was called Porridge. And of course, they two later go on to be commissioned and both both feature David Jason. Um, so, Open All Hours would go on to become its own series that ran for four series between 1973 and 1985. He also featured in three episodes of Porridge as Blanco. And so, you're talking about him in Porridge. How how good was he in Porridge? I mean, he's great. He's mm. brilliant. Um, first of all, he doesn't look. He, he's he's different to how he is in, in obviously Only Fools and Horses. Much Jason, older character. Yeah, when I think of David Jason, my automatic 
thought is is, is the Del Boy character. Uh, but he's different. Uh, yeah. Physically, he's like an older. He's an older character. Makeup is great on him. Oh, brilliant! Um, I didn't know it was him at first. Though. No, I no, didn't know no. it was him. I think the first time I watched it, I didn't know. I, I was young. I was young when I watched Porridge as well. Mm. Um, to be honest, probably, I probably need to really watch it. But I remember, I remember seeing him, and I remember my dad having to point out, do you know who that is? Yeah. Because I, I didn't know he looked. He looked really good. And he, he was a different character. Yeah. I uh, played it really well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was, it was a good show. To be honest, Porridge is a good show. Great that's show. almost worth an episode in itself, oh, to be honest. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And again, like learning from Ronnie Barker, you know, one of the greatest of all time. Um, in a, in a um, award show, it was revealed that John Sullivan used to call Ronnie Barker the governor. And he was pretty much the governor at the time. Um, he was one of the greatest comedy yeah. actors of all time. A great writer as well, Ronnie Barker. And what a great way to When it to comes learn. to British comedy, he was. Oh, definitely. Him, yeah, the two Ronnies mm. were the godfathers of British comedy back in the day. They oh, yeah. memorable sketches. And the thing is, they're even funny to look at. One of them was big. <laughs> a bit too, obviously, one was tall and big. The other one was, was thin and short. Mm. Both they're, had these... they're almost like cartoon characters in themselves. Mm. And they look so funny. And they... Both had these comi- com- uh, thick comically glasses, large, thick glasses. Yeah, Great. They were brilliant. brilliant. You, don't, you don't get characters like that anymore. No, in no. In today's day and age, you, you, no one you don't have people who look like that because they were it didn't seem fake at all you mm. generally think that they were funny obviously they were funny guys but mm. you can almost picture them in real life and being the exact same oh yeah you don't really have that now to be honest uh but yeah i suppose your, your modern equivalent would be like a kevin hart or a, yeah british though british, british yeah ones you think of yeah yeah i suppose yeah um but yeah so he he liked john sullivan um very much was influenced and was very much learnt from Ronnie Barker as well. Both of them had um, good um, mentorships in the business by Ronnie Barker, you could say. Ronnie yeah, Barker helped both of their careers, you basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you couldn't get a better mentor, to be honest. Yeah. For the time. So, yeah, he was in four series between of Open Lows between 1973 and 85. Also featured in three episodes of Porridge's Blanco. And in 1976, he also appeared in a TV show for ITV called Lucky Fella, a show in which he played a man described as very much like Del Boy. Um, I've gone back and watched it, and I, apart from I, the I South... Wouldn't, I wouldn't really say it's anything like Del no. Boy in that. I've only seen the odd episode because they show it mm. on gold, then again, it's not really on gold. That often. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen the odd episode on there then and again, and he's nothing really like Del Boy. No, Del he's, Del got, Boy is... he's got the accent and he's got a brother. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, that's about it. He Del, drives in a Del funny Boy, car. Del Boy is out there... Very loud, wants to be a centre of attention. You don't, I can't remember what the guy's, what he's called in it, mm. the character's name in it, but he's the complete opposite, really. He's very secluded, uh, and his brother's the one who's really out there. And mm. the, the episode I watched, I only watched it because he was in it. I yeah. if, if it wasn't David Jason, I wouldn't watch it. No, no. But um, it was okay. It was your one. So, what did you think of it? Oh, terrible. Absolutely <laughs> awful. I, I was, honestly, one of the worst sitcoms I've ever seen. I, I, I failed to even call it a sitcom. I, th- I think I watched just. The episode I watched had a funny moment in it, mm. uh, so well, I thought it was okay. Apparently, Del Boy's fall through the bar. He actually did first in Lucky Fella. That'd be interesting mm. to look at. I'd be interested to see that. Yeah. So, uh, someone else, of course, in Lucky Fella was Miss uh, Cheryl Hall, yeah. who was in Citizen. Citizen Smith. So, again, like you can't help but think, when trying to cast Del Boy, I mean, John Sullivan says it was his appearance in Open All Hours that made him cast him. But you can't help but think that, you know, Ronnie Barker or um, a Cheryl Hall 
might have said to David J- uh, said to John Sullivan, "Have you seen this David Jason guy? You know, he, you want to work with him in the future. He's really good." You know, it goes to show even back then it was who you know. It's always it who it's always know. who you know. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, Barman, what? Have you got a piano, please? Oh yeah, but you're not allowed to play it on a Sunday. <laughs> So the show Lucky Fella ran for one series lasting a total of 13 episodes. So by the time Only Fools and Horses came around in 1981, he was an actor with over a decade in experience in comedy acting on television. I mean, when you think about the Only Fools and Horses cast, he was the star name. He was the main draw. He was he was the one that yeah, he was, was selling it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, was, he was well known back then. Yeah. Um, the other actors probably weren't. As much no, well, I'll, I'll get on to the other main cast. Yeah. But De- so he got the he went for the role of Del Trotter, and as you mentioned earlier, he wasn't the only one being considered. In fact, John Sullivan wanted to cast um, Jim Broadbent, who will we'll come across later. Yeah, for, for those of you who just don't know, maybe not mm. sure who Jim Broadbent is. Um, he's probably most recognisable now. Mm. Uh, he was in the Harry Potter series. Mm. He was the. Um, he was in. Um... I can't remember the. I can't remember the name of the teacher, but he was the teacher in one of the films that turns into a chair. Harry and Dumbledore walk into like this house, and he's mm. like an armchair, and he transforms back into a human. That was him, and he was actually really good in that film. Yeah, he was actually like, he was all right in that film. He's a good actor. He's a really good actor. When you think about the cast, I reckon he's probably the most successful member of the cast, even above David Jack, because he has gone on to have a Hollywood career, Jim Broadbent, yeah. to an extent. He's been in loads of stuff. Uh, Gangs of New York, uh, great yeah. film. Yeah, it, one of the main people in that. If uh, I see him in something now, mm. it's not out of place because he's in a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's in a lot of British films and, mm. and Hollywood films as well. Yeah. He's a good actor. He deserves it. He's Great a really actor. good actor. Yeah. yeah. And I make you right. He probably is the most successful. And I think he, he would have got the role of, of Dell if he didn't have other commitments at the time. Yeah, it's one of those things, though, where... Mm. It's a good decision. Fate. I mean, was... you don't know. You yeah. don't know what it would have been like with no. him. It might have worked really well, but David Jason fits it perfectly. I think he was the only person. To... I think on all of the characters, I think everyone was cast incredibly well. Like, all of them but just brilliant. Yeah. But especially Del Boy. So David Jason's portrayal of Del Boy was inspired by a boss he used to work for uh, when he was elect- an electrician called Derek Cockley, who would act kind of like Del Boy, who would try and be sophisticated. He would you know, try and dress well. So he got the role of Del Boy by imitating Ray Butt, who was also from London. And, you know, he was imitating his sort of Cockney voice. And I think Ray Butt liked that. And, you know, that's what made him push for him and sort of tell John Sullivan, you know, you should consider him. Um, who David Jason, which I had, um, mm. funny enough, only probably wasn't the uh, a big. Obviously, 1981 was a huge year for him because mm. it was the start of Only Fools and Horses, um, but it was also the start of his other incredibly successful show, which was Danger Mouse. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. For those who don't know, go watch Danger Mouse. Mm. He's a superhero mouse with an eye patch. Need I say any more? Need you say <laughs> any more? No. You, I, again, John, um, David Jason, he's got. Uh, a body of work it's just it's <laughs> madness he's... yeah and, and actually funny enough what you were saying about how they've gone on to other stuff he's actually had a good sitcom career after mm. um and the biggest one that jumps to mind was um touch of frost touch of frost yeah well it was more of a detective show wasn't it it was, but... it was in a sit yeah, yeah, yeah. but a good show. acting career after show, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good show for him oh, that was, it was a great steady show. career yeah yeah um i'm not quite sure exactly the years it was on but it was like i remember it on yeah in the early 2000s it was on yeah um and I remember it was on like once a week or something like that, and it was a good mm. show as well. Oh yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's a good show. It's one of those things where different generations will probably know him for different things. 
And he's not he's he's one of these characters. So when he I've seen him get lifetime achievements awards, which I'll talk about later. And yeah, so so sorry, just Patrick mm. Frost went from ninety two, I didn't realise it started that early, mm. uh, through to two thousand and ten. Mm. So that's a really long oh, spanning yeah. show. Well I'll talk I'll talk about how like the uh the touch of frost schedule actually influenced Daddy Fools and Horses um as we go on. So David Jason is one of these actors who's got such a body of work that when he gets like the Lifetime Achievement Awards, you know, they'll read out all the stuff that he's been in. And there won't just be one thing that they're you know he's most synonymous for, but they'll always take a break when they'll say Del Boy or they'll they'll play a clip of Only Fools and Horses, and that's where you'll get yeah. the biggest cheer. Because he's it had, shows you he's had a huge body of work. Mm. And if he didn't have only put it this way, if he didn't have Only Fools and Horses, mm. he would still be a good actor. He would still be well known for a lot yeah. of stuff. But what does it but, say but, about? But yeah. when you say when you say David Jason, you can't help but think Del Boy. Well, what does it say about the strength of this show when that's the thing that he's most known for among everything else that he's done? It's this sitcom that is gonna. That's probably what got him the knighthood. What got him? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, he's absolutely amazing. So then we get on to his brother Rodney, who was played by Nicholas Lyndhurst. Um, very different to David Jason. He was born in 1961 in Emsworth, Hampshire, 21 years after David Jason. Um, Hampshire. So he he seemed to have a much more of um, a sort of fortunate upbringing. Yeah, definitely. He, um, if you ever listen to, like, if you ever watch TV interviews with him, mm. um, I always get a little bit shocked mm. when, when I hear him speak because he's he comes he comes across quite posh. Yeah, and 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 kind of prim and proper. Uh, David Jason does a little bit more than Del Boy, but he still yeah. has that kind of like twang to his yeah, voice, yeah. and you can tell. But but Nicholas Lyndhurst, he, he doesn't appear anything like Rodney. Oh no! Um, and it always throws me a little bit when I see him speaking in real life. Mm. But it just shows how good of an actor he is. He's uh, as a well, actor. Rodney's a very sort of awkward and like you know awkward person. Nicholas Lyndhurst don't come across like that at all, no, like in interviews. No. But um, also one thing I talk about, we talk about accents actually. David Jason. In Porridge, in Open All Hours, he'd done the, the York, sort of Yorkshire accent so well. And then in, in Only Fools, in Lucky Fella, he's done the London accent so well. And his real accent is neither of those. He's able to... Like his real accent is this kind of posh... It has a bit of South London sort of twang in there, but it's a real kind of sort of posh upper-class accent. Yeah. yeah and he's able... Proper. Yeah, and he's able to portray completely different sides of the country so well that like you like you and Babel you you'd be shocked when you hear I was shocked when I first heard him speak. Yeah, and to be honest, he's been in um he's been in shows where again, if only Fools and Horses didn't exist but he did all mm. the other shows, he would actually still have a recognisable career. It's like, about Nicholas Linhurst, yeah, right? oh, yeah. He would have a decent career. Um but again when you look at him you can't help but think Rodney. Rodney, of course. So he went to a theatre school, and in 1974, Nicholas Lyndhurst got a role in TV miniseries Heidi playing the part of Peter. Uh, in 1976, so he would have been 13 at that age. In 1976, he got the role of Tom Canty uh, slash Prince Edward in The Prince and the Pauper. Um, and I think that was probably his first sort of big role. Um, in 1978, he played Raymond Fletcher in Going Straight. And apparently that's what made uh, John Sullivan want to cast him for Only Fools, his appearance in that. Of course, Going Straight was okay. the sequel to Porridge after yeah. he got out. Um, and he also played... It's Adam... funny how it all comes together. It's exactly, yeah. Again, another connection with Ronnie Barker. 
He then played Adam Parkinson in Butterflies, um, which again, that was a, a very, it was called Carla Lane's Butterflies is what a lot of people refer it to. And I think that's the mark of when you're a good writer. If someone says it's it's Carla Lane's this, it's yeah. Terry Pratchett's this. I and mean, that, that's what my aim is for this podcast. Is, is, there, is there another big show called mm. Butterflies? Is that why they, they call it that? No, just because I think because Carla Lane yeah. was such an iconic writer We're associated with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just just it, yeah. yeah, if, if you suck like it's like they would say like um, I, I've seen the odd episode of Butterflies, and mm. again I, I I've watched it out of curiosity because Nicholas Lindos was in it, mm. and I know that was one of the shows that led him on to Only Fools and Horses. Mm. Um, but it's I definitely think I should probably go back and rewatch, try and watch it as much as I can because it's got to have something to it. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's going to have a similar, not, not a similar character, but it's going to be acting to a similar standard, and that, that's a joy to watch anyway. So yeah, I mean, I've watched one episode of it, and I wasn't a big fan, I'll be honest, but it, I did, I didn't get it. <laughs> well, I won't bother then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not really selling the show for you, but it's, uh, um, yeah, Nicholas Lindos, amazing actor, and in 1977 was his first on-screen appearance with david jason it was when nicholas was one of the presenters on a show called our show he was it ran for 12 episodes and he was on it for six of those 12 episodes it was a kid's show and david jason came on and you could see this clip in the story of only fools and horses and nicholas lindhurst did seem to be in awe of him he did seem to like really like look up to him and be a bit starstruck and by this time david jason even again before before Only Falls and Horses, before his most recognisable role, he still would have been a massive star. He'd have been in Open All Hours. He'd have seen in Porridge. He would have been a, a massive star who you would probably be starstruck by. It was only Nicholas Lindhurst's second episode presenting on the show. Other guests he present, uh, he met when presenting were Arthur Lowe and Bonnie Tyler. Of course, Arthur Lowe in Dad's Army. Uh, Bonnie Tyler, very famous singer. Uh, the show ran for twelve episodes. What was it? Just like a. It was it. I mean, show was it? again, like, a, like a, they have guests and things like that. Yeah, it was like sort of um, yeah, like a kids a kids sort of show, like like CITV. It kind of like oh, seemed right. like okay. that a yeah, bit yeah. to they me. They just have people and things like that. Yeah, so. yeah. So they, were, they were like playing themselves, and it? it wasn't like they were acting really. No, it was just yeah. Was, I think they were just like got them on to ask questions and stuff, yeah, and like yeah. Nicholas Linhurst one of the presenters asking questions. Um, but yeah, very, very funny clip, like to think about how young he looked as well. Like madness, only five years later, he would be being portrayed as his brother. Yeah. Only fools and horses, madness. <clears throat> yeah. So as I say, the show ran for 12 episodes from 1977 to 1978. Uh, Nicholas presenting six shows in total in 1978 at the age of 17 is when he was in butterflies that ran for four series ending in 1983. So Nicholas Lindhurst, by the time of Only Fools and Horses, he, he had, you know, quite a good body of work behind him. Uh, Leonard Pierce, of course, who played Grandad, he was born in Paddington in 1915. Um, he was mostly known as a theatre actor. And as a young actor in the 1930s, he went on a performance tour in Germany. One theatrical performance was attended by senior members of the Nazi party. At the end of the show, party officials came backstage. What, to... what a story to start start his one off with. I know, yeah, it's, it's a very... It's a good story, that. It's a very good, good story. story. Um, one of the party officials who came backstage to congratulate the cast was Adolf Hitler, who reportedly Leonard Pierce shook hands with. 
and crazy. that's crazy to think that that is madness. I mean, Leonard Pierce has gone on to say that he regretted, you know. Well, no. To, to be honest, this mm. was when was this? Nineteen thirty. Nineteen thirty. Nineteen thirty. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm not sure the exact date, oh, but I know it was, it was in the thirties. This was the early thirties. Mm. Um, he wasn't to know, even though if he what did, yeah, was going to happen, yeah. Truth is, because he was just an actor traveling through Germany, he mm. probably didn't really know who Hitler was, and he didn't really know the Nazi party. And to be honest, back then. Oh, listen, I'm not going into politics. No, yeah, I'm not yeah. going into 1930s German politics. Yeah, yeah. That's not what this show is about. Yeah, that's not... That, that's... But he, he said, obviously, if he, if, he, if he knew what he knew then, mm. he would have probably had... A, he, he said, he, he was. On, I think Nicholas Inner said this story, that he probably would have had a go and tried to, yeah, yeah. Tried to off him. Yeah. Obviously, for the sake of World War Two, But um, it's an interesting story, nonetheless. Yeah, it's one of those things where, <clears throat> as, as well, like... I mean, I, I can't imagine what it's like to be in that situation. So you, you can't really say... You can't really judge him and say... Or what yeah, I'd have no, done no, in that let's, situation. No, let's not judge him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. yeah. <laughs> you can't. It, it, like, I, I can't imagine until you're in a situation like that. You can't really imagine how you'd have acted. So it's, it's, yeah, it's madness. Um, but yeah. So now that brings us to 1981, and what was happening in the world at the time during 1980 to 1981, the UK entered a recession with falling output, rising unemployment, and a fall in the inflation rate. The recession hit the manufacturing sector really hard. Uh, the recession was caused by high interest rates and appreciation in sterling and tight fiscal policy. It was it was around this time, of course, Margaret Thatcher is just beginning her premiership as the leader of the country, as prime minister. And the 80s, especially about Thatcherism, is a word that's it's sort of synonymous with capitalism. I mean, Thatcher is someone who who went and privatised a lot of British industries. And it was a time where her sort of ethos and the Conservatives Party's ethos seemed to be that you should pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you should, you know, you should be out on your own. You should be making money yourself, you know, and whatever you think of that, that's very much what inspired Del Boy. He was a character that was very much born out of the 80s, a time of, of, of winners and losers, a time of... yeah. It's a good point. I mean, I don't mm. want to get caught up in politics. No, so neither I don't do know I. Anything really about no, it, but... As you can tell by my blatant reading out, print out, <laughs> I know very little about it as well. <laughs> but, but yeah, there's an interesting point. She was a bit like, pick yourself up, get on with it, and make money yourself. Yeah. Um, and Del Boy is that kind of character. That's how he views it. He wants to go out and make money himself and make himself rich. Well, but even, what, what's yeah. ironic is he does it. Every in every way, like which is anti-government, really yeah, yeah. doesn't declare tax or anything like that. So it's mm. kind of funny. You, you're right. When but she, he does it the complete opposite way. When the first episode of Only Falls with Horses, you know they they bring up a lot of the fact that uh, Del Boy has a speech where he, they t- he talks about the fact he doesn't pay tax, and he he sort of justifies it by saying, you know. We don't take from we don't take from the government. You know, we don't pay the government. We don't take from the government. We don't receive dull money. We don't, you know, receive any benefits. But you know, we don't pay income tax. So he justifies it in that way. So I don't think he was pro-government. I don't think he was. To, to be fair, he does have a council flat. Does I was wondering about this. Right? <laughs> he does have a council flat that if, he lives if, in. If he doesn't pay tax, and reportedly throughout the series they say he's not down any of the government's records, how is he able to pay tax? Surely, to get a council flat, you will have to. Well, we learn from Rock and Chips that it was his mum mm. who got the council flat, and didn't she do a little bit of manipulating to get the flat in the first place? Oh right, 
doesn't she? She works in the offices. Yeah, yeah. She? she works in the offices where they decide who gets one of these new, brand new council. This is set. This is in the sixties. Mm. Who gets one of these uh, flats in the council block? Um, and she actually acquires it, and she dies. So maybe I suppose it's feasible. She mm. dies. Del Boy is it still in her name then? Do you reckon? All those years <sighs> later, I'm, I'm. I don't know. I'm not sure how it works. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there are. I suppose it could. It could be feasible that she died. Delboy just kept paying the rent. Mm. He kept it up. Potentially, it could could make sense. Because to be honest, Del was paying a lot of the rent when his mum was alive. Anyway, yeah. he was the one out grafting and working. Um, I mean, she was as well. But he she was, was as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. but, but I mean, she it, f- fell ill as well. She so fell she, ill yeah. exactly. So it was Delboy again picking up the pieces for the mm. rest of the family. So he maybe just got into a trend, and, and you could you could maybe see that it was never checked up on or, or something like that by the by the government or the council. Mm. So I suppose it makes sense. Yeah, and and a lot of what we talked about here about Delboy picking up the pieces, taking care of of Rodney and his granddad, that is all discussed in the first episode of Only Fools and Horses, which was called Big Brother. Did you know Big Brother was another working title for the show? That's what um, they wanted to call it. That would be a good name, right? Big Brother, yeah. Big Brother would be a good name. Um, Also, Big Brother is the name for Only Fools and Horses that's broadcast in Scandinavia, the Scandinavian version. That's cool. Um, So, uh, just to let everyone know... Mm. The reason it's called Only Fools and Horses mm. relates to the, title, the the theme tune of the song. Not in the first episode, funnily enough. No. But uh, the, the recognisable theme tune, it goes, why do only fools and horses work? And it, it's kind of Dell's mentality. Well, it's, it's a it's famous um, South London expression. Yeah. It's yeah. A, yeah. It's that only fools and horses work to, to, to for their living when there are other ways to get money, mm. which is basically what the show's about, really. Del Boy exploring these other options in order to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to work. One of the greatest things I heard to describe Delboy, I think John Sullivan said it. It was in an interview after John Sullivan died with maybe Nicholas Lindhurst, and he said that the best way to describe Delboy is he's a man who works incredibly hard so he doesn't have to work. That's, that's great. That, that, that's the best way I can sum up Delboy, really. Well, if you want to talk about the dichotomy of, of Delboy, and I hope I'm using that word right, I don't know. I don't know what it means. No, no <laughs> I, I don't, but it makes me sound clever. And uh, Yeah, so... Something that, on that note, describes the character of Del Boy and Rodney at the same time was a quote from an interview that John Sullivan gave for um, the TV show Laughter in the House, which would focus on different sitcoms. This episode was broadcast in 1990, if I remember rightly. Uh, sorry, 1999, if I remember rightly. And John Sullivan talking talking about the show itself, um, he says, the working class were still being portrayed as these type of tugging their furlock, God bless you, governor, you're a tough. By then, they'd gone if they ever existed. And when talking about Del and Rodney, he says, Del, like myself and all my friends, came from that kind of mid-60s through to the 70s where everything was possible. You suddenly had a kind of freedom and we were all full of ideas. We weren't so much a generation, we were more like an escape committee. We were all trying to get away from where we were. Rodney's generation was brought up where jobs were scarce, and he never felt he had much time to dream. He wasn't encouraged to have a dream. So you had that confrontation of the dreamer and the far more realistic kind of person in Rodney. And that was to paraphrasing from what he said in uh, in that interview. And I think that's, that you describe exactly what they yeah, were, I the conflict think, between them. I think you can relate that to, to today as well, really. Um, first of all, in the early series, especially when 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 Rodney is young, 
you wouldn't look at them and think it's a it's a brother relationship. It's no. more father and son. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah. Delboy was more of a father to Rodney than he was a brother because that's he had to be. He had to be more mm. of a father because he didn't have one. Yeah. Um, but in today's society, mm. you see a bit of that. Um, you see fathers and mothers have their jobs and telling their younger ones to you know get go out, get jobs, etc., etc. But we li- the, the society we live in is hard to get a job. If you you if you're in our position, it's hard to get a job. It's hard to go out there, just pick up a job and get working, and and that is what. Rodney was like, and mm. to be honest, that's why Rodney Rodney works with his brothers throughout the show. And you kind of think, why didn't he just go out and get his own job if he hated yeah. working with, with Del Boy that much? Because he can't. Yeah, so he has to he has to do something to make money, and he has to work with his brother. Mm. And you do see him dipping in and out of jobs throughout the series, but he always ends up going back to Del. Yeah, and and we find out exactly why Rodney can't get a job of his own in the first episode. And yeah. another thing I love about Only Fools and Horses, another reason why John Sullivan, Sir John Sullivan. <laughs> Was one of the greatest. Lord, Lord. Lord John Sullivan <laughs> was one of the greatest comedy writers, if not the greatest British comedy writer of all time, is because there's a reason for everything. There's nothing. Like in Only Fools and Noises, you could say, why does Rodney work with Dell? Oh, because he just does, because he's his brother and he likes being around his brother. No, we find out straight from the offing why Rodney works with Dell. But as I've been told by my therapist, your hours up, we need to stop. So we'll join you next time on the podcast. We will talk about the first episode, the first series of Only Fools and Horses. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. We're very sorry about some of the audio problems. A lot of people said we'd peak in our first episode. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Tinder. Please feel free to like and share the podcast with people. We'll join you next time. Thank you very much for listening.